1: It's Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today I have a I'm going to say a pretty special couple that um, I've been privileged that they would spend the time with me today. Um, so it's Marla and Dave Thomas. How are you today? We're, We're good. Thank, Thank you, for Roxanne, having for having us. Well, you know, I was looking, I'm always looking for unique guests, and uh, my team was able to kind of connect with them um, on an interface that uh, we use, which is podcast guests. And why, why I think it's important, um, oftentimes, most people don't discuss mental health. And when you pe- see people in the limelight I think it's even more so that when you come forward and you share your experience that helps that much more because you've got platforms so I'm going to tell you a little bit about them and why they're so um, unique in what they do um, Marla they're both um, are in different industries Marla is a respected realtor and a vocal mental health advocate which is amazing and Dave is a renowned musician a 10-time Grammy award-winning group take six uh, they have two children and um they deal with seven different mental health diagnoses that's that's a lot one is a lot but you know seven of them you've been through a lot in your marriage and you've endured um you know being in the the limelight and um getting together today is really to talk about you know just lives and I would say that um you know oftentimes first of all I can tell you as someone that's um, uh, couples and family therapists, anybody above seven years of marriage has hit, uh, you know, a home run. And um, because today in this day and age, what we know is that a lot of people struggle without any concerns to stay married um, at about 65%. Not That being said, I'm not trying to deter anybody that's married at present, but it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot. So we're going to talk a little bit today about their lives and, you know, hear what they can share with us that we can learn about um, being in the limelight, um, having a long-term marriage, um, and also keeping their families together and keeping their kids healthy. So tell me a little bit about, first of all, I always ask couples this when I meet them, how did you two meet? (laughs) We met in second grade, but before I say
2: anything, I have to, because this is important for the record, we are the parents of three children. You said, Sorry, have, my apologies. Okay, we have two children who have mental health challenges that are noted, but our third does not. So we've okay. got a 30 year old, a 34 year old, and 36 year old.
1: Thank you, and a
2: 13 year old grandson. So I got to give credit to all our little, you know, love. Of course, brothers. of course. Okay, all right.
1: you're gonna so, hear, you're, I'm probably going to have to alter this if it should it go out saying two. So thanks <laughs> for telling me
2: that. Oh, good. Man. Awesome.
1: I got too many stretch marks to crank.
2: <laughs> okay. um, so uh, we met in second grade. We were I was six years old, he was eight. I don't know why he was in the second grade I, mean, eight I don't eight. know why she says it's that. The at truth. the
0: beginning of the year I was uh, seven. No, it Sorry. It eight <laughs> <laughs> but, but yes, for 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 dramatic purposes, six and eight. Yes. Yeah. He was driving, he was driving carpool. He had a
2: five-block shadow. It was really weird.
0: But anyway, we were we were in
2: second grade. We met um at a small private school in Huntsville, Alabama. Um, and then, you know, through the years, you know, once you get, you know, go through your little, you know, puberty and attraction stage and whatever, um, he and I dated, excuse me, we became, um, high school sweethearts. And then my parents got divorced when I was in the 10th grade. And I moved on to out back with my mother in California, um, which for me introduced a new relationship that ultimately produced a child, which he was unaware of. And, but, was determined in 10th grade that we were going to get married. And I was like, you're ridiculous. Don't be silly. And we did get back together when she was one um, with a um, very detrimental relationship that I had dissolved and we got married and we ended up having, so we've been married for 35 years. Wow. Um, It'll be 36 in March. And amazing. right now we're the parents of three children that, you know, and, and, and we've raised, He raised me. My daughter was one when we got married. Exactly. And then we had our son and our youngest daughter. And so, right. So, and right. My oldest daughter also is the currently has our only grandson, but we, our youngest daughter is also pregnant. So in five weeks time, we'll be, we'll be meeting our second grandson
1: and we're excited about that.
0: Wow.
1: Amazing. Amazing. Expanding the family.
0: Yeah, And, Doc, I have to, uh, first of all, agree with you on one hand and then add another step in the ladder when you said if you make it past seven, you can cruise a little bit. I would dare say between 15 and 22, you're going to hit another rung in the ladder that you're going to have to decide what are we actually doing here? And, if and you, you know, were- that's
1: been proven, Dave, because every they figure every five to seven years, approximately in a, in a relationship there's a new developmental stage where th- different things come about in the marriage right. mm-hmm. so it makes sense what you're saying and i think a lot of couples young couples and i think this is what's important is a lot of couples think it's just gonna happen and they mm-hmm. don't have to work <laughs> and in fact uh, you know th- your stories i uh, hopefully will help people young couples or pe- couples that are you know struggling recognize some of the things that they might have to do to,
0: to right I say, I say all the time uh it i equate it to so you have a nice lawn that you looks well maintained and stop dealing stop maintaining it and see see what happens does it get nicer does it does it just stay the way it is after a while it becomes a mess that you just you can't deal with and so anytime i hear someone say that they've been in a long-term relationship i understand Struggle is already implicit in that statement. And, and not just struggle, but a commitment to look at the struggle in an appropriate way to decide what's important and what am I willing to deal with in order to maintain this commitment. And a lot of times in our society today, you know, that is not value. Uh, I worked with the Backstreet Boys and I was talking to one of them and he was, you know, I was saying, ask the same question, you know, how did you stay? you know, in, in a committed married relationship, he's, he's had way more success than I have. He said, you know, the funny thing about it is people don't ask or take notice when your relationship is going just fine. It's only when the, the entertainment industry actually focuses on problems that you're having, which tends to exacerbate the problem. So, you know, kudos to him. He was able to keep his marriage sort of out of the, out of the limelight by actually committing to uh, staying committed in his relationship.
1: So let's, let's continue on that vein. You were on the road, um, you know, as a kind of a celebrity or in a band. How how did you make that work? Um, you know, now that you're saying that obviously, you know, with celebrities, we often, you know, see people kind of going through marriage after marriage or they're, you know, one week they're together and next week they're not together and next week they're back together how did you two maintain that? Cycling, being in- cycling for love. Cycling
2: well, for love. Right. Well, the, the issue for me, well, here's what I'll say this. I'll say that on an individual basis that I understand several things inherently. Number one, who you are and what you do are two totally different things, period. It doesn't matter. And there are some leveling things that are kind of basic, but true for me. Did you get born out of someone's uterus? Me too. (laughs) Do you go to the bathroom? Me too. And so therefore, that's a, that's a level playing field in my mind for all of us. That means that you, you don't have, I don't own your judgment. And the more I, and the more you're judging me, which is why I think we have the issues we have now, you're judging people based on something in you that is not really realized. In other words, it, there's so much work I have to do on Marla. I honestly don't have time to be consumed with the the the, the, the and with enough energy to hate your situation enough not knowing it to respond to it. So for me I, my thing is okay so this is where we are. It's not this that you see is what he has been accomplished. It doesn't speak to the person that's there, period. And so for me, you're gifted enough to do something that most people can appreciate. But here's the other thing I realized. When you encounter a human, we just encountered each other, right off the bat, whether I want to or not, subconsciously, I've gotten an impression of you. Absolutely. Period. We get an impression right off cuff. And, you, and I tell people, you can either turn somebody's head to the right or the left just with a brief encounter everybody doesn't get into your heart something mm-hmm. but the reality is this is this is what happens when you live and you encounter life and so i just it, it's just super important for me for me to understand that about ourselves and then you bring a different element of humanness a humanity a deep core package that we've all been given that we've we're working hard every day now to deny these basics compassion and, you know, sympathy, and um, respect, morality. We, we're we working hard to just say they don't matter, but they do. And that's how great relationships are built, because mm-hmm. all of those things feed into respect, feed into mm-hmm. communication, feed into um, an acceptance and a healing.
0: And, and I, I would add to that, you know, I would like to say um, that it is the fact that I value my family uh, so much that it kept me in a place where I needed to be. But in reality, no one is trained, I don't think, sufficiently. I mean, you take, you got to pass a test, you got to study to get your driver's license, you got to pass a test to become whatever profession usually you are if you're going to be in the uh, professional world. Uh, you, have to have, you have to demonstrate your competency. Uh, but people have kids and, and next thing you know, you're learning on the job to the very, the most important uh, job that you can have. You haven't really been trained outside of the way that you were raised yourself. Sometimes that's great. Sometimes it isn't. Same thing with relationships. You know, a lot of times we we look at the basis of relationship as attraction. Well, anyone who's been married for uh, successfully, it, not, whether successfully or not. If you've been in a committed relationship for a long time, you understand that that attraction, matter of fact, the very things that used to attract you are the very things that make you the most upset after a while, you know? Yes, for sure, for sure. Those are are oftentimes where couples have the most uh,
1: conflict, right? Absolutely. Whatever they're attracted to, they're like, oh, you're so going. And then it's like, oh, my God, you never want to stay home when you get exactly. settled, right? Or, or you're so quiet. Oh, my God, speak up. Why don't you speak up? Right. So that, we're always trying to neutralize ourselves. That's a good point, Dave. We're always trying to figure out. So whatever our least dominant trait is within ourselves, we look for it in our partner. So that we get that equilibrium. Now mm-hmm. for you, you're out there, you're doing things, you're getting the accolades and to to Rana's point, you're not defined by what you do. you mm-hmm. you are a person, but then you go into obviously um, something that's um revered, right um, being being in celebrity, being um, blessed, I would say, to be able to do what you do. Yes. How did you stay grounded when you came back home? what what kind was there did you have rituals? Was there certain things that you did as a couple to really kind of help you <laughs> come back down? Get my big needle
0: that I use to deflate here somewhere. Well, you know, for me, I was raised in a large family, and in a large family, um, you know, people have various talents, uh, and those talents are just recognized for just what you said, what you do, not who you are. We're all just members of the family, and as well as i I'll, I'll, I'll drop this little anecdote. Uh, one time I was coming home off the road, been been gone on tour for quite some time, and Marla w- had, was running such a well-oiled machine of the administration of the household um, that, you know, she was just telling one of our kids to go do this, go get this, go such and such. Dave, you need to go out and you need to such and such. And after a while, I was like, wait a minute, are you, are you telling me what to do? And she basically said she handled it very well, which, you know, she could have just said absolutely I am, shut up. But what she said was, is that you know you have to understand, and I understand as a man, how you like to perceive things. But what you have to understand is when you leave, there's no uh, person wearing the skirt and another person wearing the pants. I'm wearing the skirt and the pants. Mm-hmm. And when you come home, if you come home for a week after being gone for two and a half, three months, and then leave again for another two months, it's inefficient for me to take off the pants and hand them to you because I have to spend all the time showing you how the household actually runs and you have no idea. So, you know, if you could do me a favor and just fall back. And at first I was like, (laughs) wait a minute, I'm not sure how to take that. But the more I thought about it, I was like, she's absolutely correct. And so, you know, a lot of times I would get, you know, joked by my friends, oh, your wife wears the pants in the family. And I'm like, after a while, she kind of does and she needs to.
1: Right. And I think that's, that's so important, right? Because of course, when you, you know, you, we wear our males in a certain way. And I don't, I know we're having the equality, but at the end of the day, right, men need to feel like they, they are, quote unquote, taking care of their family. So the delivery that, uh, you know, Marla may have put this in. You, again, had to shuttle to accept that space to see, hey, honey, I understand what what you're saying, instead of, what? I'm not going to listen to you. This this is my house. So, again, that's the subtleties, especially with newer couples, because they may have grown up, let's say, with traditional families. And now you have, you know, both of them are professionals or both are traveling or whatever. So they might use their parents as 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 a model in their head, and they're trying to kind of figure it out, and now it's not working for them. So, and then Absolutely. clearly, you know, like your situation, I would think that this is completely new for both of you. You didn't grow mm-hmm. up in a family when one person was gone. You may have grown up with family.
0: You've well, ironically, I, I did, Marla. I, I tell I tell people all the time it was almost just ordained that we would be together because she was perfectly already suited. For our lifestyle, her dad was a professional baseball player. So during the baseball season, he wasn't home. So she was raised with this awareness that the dad doesn't always have to be here. At the same time, because of the way that she and her brother uh, sort of behaved, she also knew, I can't let the kids get out of hand. Because all kids will take advantage of any situation. They'll try to. I mean, it's it's our job when we're young. To, to see where the cracks in the fence are, to, to try to make sure that those walls, those boundaries that our parents put up for our own sake, we, we, even when we don't understand it, are necessary, there might be a crack. She was pretty good at making sure that there's, I was raised in one of those families where, you know, if things got too deep, my mom's response was, okay, when your dad gets home, he's gonna have to handle this. And of course, now you're terrorized for about you know six or seven hours, so your dad gets <laughs> on. But you know, for for Marla, that wouldn't have worked because as she was raised that way, her mom tried to say that from time to time, and she was like, "Well, that's not going to be back for three months." I'm not listening to anybody. <laughs> Nobody gets to tell me he's
2: not even come back to October. What are you talking about, in June?
0: And so she understood all of that, and she was like, "No, my kid's are not going to be able to do that." By the way,
2: yeah. shout out to to Canada. And my dad, one of his last, his in his, his coaching career, my dad was with your final, with the Expos team. Oh, wow. Expos moved to, to
1: the National to Washington, yeah. Exactly. Awesome, awesome. So if you can, you're talking, we're talking about, I often say to people, a lot of times it's values alignment. I don't know if that makes sense, right? You have to be aligned as a couple. And I yeah. want you to give your perspective. I can give it as mine, but- when you think of values or things that kept keeps you two connected, what are mm-hmm. some of the core fundamental things that are the, at the at the foundation of keeping the, this marriage solid and strong? I'm sure it's weeble wobbled over the years. But- no, they haven't, to be honest. Our tenants
2: have been the same since the day we met. Um, okay. the number one tenant on the table for Marla and Dave and Dave and Marla would be selflessness. We are both equally selfless beings and we both understood the, the hierarchy of the priority for mm-hmm. our personal selves which we shared collectively as a couple and our children ruled meaning they didn't rule our house as far as running a monk, but they were our priority to the point that nothing in this world that we ever accomplished tried to achieve nothing with, nothing nothing was above our our dedication to the unconditional love and sacrifice of whatever they needed based on who they were, not what we were trying to make them. Ironically, this is a this is a great truth to that. All three of our kids can sing, they're crazy talented in music, stupid wow. talent. And I said, ironic, because my oldest daughter does, that's not her biological father, but even Monice is super talented. Um and yet, never ever. Was that something that we drove? But whatever they wanted to do in life based on my upbringing and what didn't happen for me, mm-hmm. I was, we were, that was a goal to get behind. Me. So our our youngest can sing anyone. Matter of fact, we, uh, this, is, this is a true story. I was just getting my hair done and they were talking about somebody notable in music. And I was like, what? That's your top five? Really? With all the people that can, I said, I put a hundred dollars on the table right now that my daughter, the baby, no one's ever heard of her, um, can out sing this mega, mega celebrity person. And I put on a song and they thought it was coming from the TV. They were like, wait, what? Oh, and wow. so the what I'm making is, but she wanted to do, she went to Syracuse, she got a formal education. She's a news producer. Yeah. In other words, if it's not for you, sweetie, it's not for me. She was an actress when she was young. So what I'm saying is that that's where we have the same shared value system as people first. And I have to say that to your audience. Mm -hmm. We didn't try to align ourselves. So what do you think we should do? What do you think we should be? I was already this person, this little person as a little person. Like I was already the person who, who stared out the window at eight years old in the car with my mother in an upper middle class town with the one homeless person that was there. And as we stopped the light, said, how come they're out there? They have to have somebody. There's gotta be family somewhere. Like that was just my me. So understanding who you are. And then, you know, one of the things I say about Dave, why it worked most importantly, I did have a baby coming into our relationship as, as permanence, meaning we'd been in and out, but he was flying home from a trip to Europe on on in an international take six tour and he said well i'm gonna fly into washington first we were dating we were not married i said what, what do you mean you're flying into washington first he goes yeah my I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna see my nieces and my nephews and one of my nephews wants me to wants to ride back to huntsville with me so he can spend time with his cousins and i was like now so he said i'm gonna go spend some time and then drive in with them you know what I thought? Not I can't believe he's not spending time with me. I thought, man, that is a bionic. These aren't even his kids. <laughs> he's he's 22, mm-hmm. but his nephews and nieces loved him like they were like he was their dad. Mm-hmm. And so he literally took that time. And I thought, character. That's character. Like now I don't have to. I, even though I've known you growing up, now in this stage, I don't have to be scared of what you will or will not be to my daughter. Cause other than that, that's for me as a mother, that was super important.
0: And, and I'll say this almost in reverse um, to the initial question that you asked before, but before I even do that, I'll say, that's one of Marla's, I would say her superpowers is a strange, innocent, naivety, childlike innocence that she's been able to maintain throughout her entire life. It, it, it informs her sense of judgment, her sense of morality, her sense of everything that's right and wrong if it's unfair i don't care who it is if you could be the most important person if you're treating somebody unfairly she doesn't appreciate it and she's going to let you know uh, that's the first thing but i will say to your initial question you know almost in reverse a lot of times people think about you know what do we have in common it's not the actual things that you do and the things that you like to do that you have in common that actually matter. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's your value system. Uh, does family come first? Does commitment? Does friendship actually matter more than attraction? All those things are important and and to and to understand. Um, I was, you know, lucky enough to have a dad who was also a psychotherapist. So you know, I should say lucky or unlucky because I've been therapized.
1: That's <laughs> what who you talk to. If you talk to my son. He's like he says, "Oh boy, we're in the
0: car." Yeah, we're as going to <laughs> Yes, as he's learning new new techniques and stuff. Of course, we're the guinea pigs. So matter of fact, I just finished a, a very intensive disc assessment. And I'm sure you're aware of that. Yes. But I, I'm still learning more about myself every day. And I and what I started to realize is that not only do I have the normal male tendencies that needs to be appreciated, so to speak, that's part of my personality as well. I need to be appreciated. And I also need to have the security of understanding that when we're going through an issue, when we're dealing with something that, you know, one of us perceives as negative and we have to deal with it. Uh, But as long as I can feel that it's not going to diminish the value of our relationship, we can deal with it. Once I feel like the relationship is on the line, it becomes more difficult for me to deal with.
1: Absolutely, and I think what happens to a lot of couples is, you know, they 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 polarize and they forget what it takes to make the other person feel safe, right? And then what happens is instead of kind of leaning in, all all you need is one person to lean in. But ideally, if you have both people recognizing, hey, what does Marlon need to be safe, and what does Dave need to be safe, then what happens is that I often say it's like a figure eight. You always have that cross section where you are able to have. big disagreements small disagreements um, but not you know have these what I call demon dialogues where you're cutting the other person off to such a point where you can't repair it and unfortunately a lot of people don't have the skills they don't learn the skills unfortunately they may not have been as lucky as you uh, where you're able to kind of um, stay centered on your values Um, and that you know and then you know in this day and age it's kind of it's not working well let's go uh, you know, so I think it's it's really people just learning some basics, as you know, learning to understand kind of who is the other person truly. To your point, and when you know when the honeymoon and you know stage is over, um, do you really like that person? Right. I think that's what uh, that what that's what doesn't get taught, unfortunately. And in our society today, it's more about the you know the you know, opulent weddings and the, the, you know, the, you know, where they're going on the honeymoon and, you know, the venue. And then, you know, a month later when the rubber hits the road, it's kind of like, oh boy, now this is real life. Now, now what do we do? We have to get off being on the social media platforms and stuff like that. So I think, you know, I think I think you're so right when you say it's that commonality, that bond of putting your children first, that clearly, you know, helped you, you know, pave that way. So let's talk a little bit about, mental health um -hmm. and you know when you found out um what was that like what did you do and um you know and of course i know you you continue to do a lot today with mental health but tell me a little bit about how you found out and what what you've been dealing with i will
2: say this any parent i'm going to speak strictly right now from a parent perspective Mm -hmm. any parent who um, deals with mental illness in their adult children, this was, this is not a new revelation. There are things that have been happening throughout this child's entire life <laughs> that you may not have been able to put in a the box. Or two older
0: children, not just one.
2: Right. You may not have been able to put it in a box, but you knew that the behavior was extreme or different or outside of normal growing, um, arcs and, 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 uh, development development. Um, when we first actually found out formally our, for our son, his full diagnosis, when we really could put a grip on that, was 23. For, Mo, for our daughter, Monice, she was 21. Um, almost what was your
1: son's diagnosis?
2: My son's diagnosis is bipolar 1, was schizoaffective. And okay. Monice had multiple diagnosis, um, uh, depression, anxiety, borderline personality. But I have to give a caveat here. We usually don't talk about her diagnosis as openly as we talk about his on purpose, because she sees this as an attack. She sees this as a deficit. She sees it as a negative, negative. and I'm going to explain why I say it. And I, I and to be to be honest, we've you know in several interviews, you're the only person I've said it with, and I'm only saying it to you because I'm you're a psychologist. To be honest, um, I find that it it pushes me it pushes me as her mother. To pray that it brings compassion, because if you keep behaving the way you're behaving as an adult and you expect this behavior um, to be received as norm, there will be no there's no compassion. But if you understand that she has a different psychological issue, then I'm hoping to spark compassion beyond what I can personally bring in control because she is public. And so that's my prayer that you won't respond to it. It's a scary thing, to be honest. I'm a frightened mom, knowing Mm -hmm. that we understand and withstand the disrespect, all the things that are triggering and sparking to most people. Mm -hmm. But yet as a 36-year-old woman who is doing these things, if I can get someone to to understand, and I'll give you a, a, a true antidote. Um, you know, some of the behaviors have been so damaging. And at one point in, in our lives, she had a friend that, you know, she's in and out with with people all the time. Bridges are always on fire. And this bridge had been burned. And, and the young lady, my daughter said to this young lady, you know, unfortunately, her daughter, her child had passed in a car accident. And the car seat wasn't was, you know, not properly fitted. And the young lady's lost her two year old. And my child said, you know, you, your baby died because you didn't you didn't deserve to be a mom. Mm. And, you know, and the girl called me to inform me. I have a lot of respect for you. And I'm like, you know, I'm gonna I'm, I'm kill your child. I'm gonna kill her. When I see her, when I find her, I'm like, this is what's gonna happen. And what I said to this young lady is, listen, I'm a mom. I understand fully what you're saying. I said, however, I want you to think for a minute about your own life, because even if you find it justified emotionally, it's still a crime. Mm -hmm. And do you want to lose your life? Is she worth that for you? And so that's kind of what I'm really saying. What I'm saying is there's things that I have to consider that are so much bigger than the obvious also to protect her from herself. So she doesn't like this diagnosis. Um, which is the last diagnosis Dave and I got? If there's something else that's been added under that, I can tell you what we what we know professionally, as we have invested in our children to get answers to help them manage their own selves. So, and I understand her. I I defend the fact that I get why she doesn't want that because certain things are not there. They're so stigmatized that it it you know it causes a. You know, uh, ugh, get away from me. Factor where some things are somewhat now slowly embraced. Anxiety and depression are the darling. Yeah, that's, yeah that's almost normative not But like, borderline disorder, borderline personality, yeah, TV, bipolar, those mm-hmm. things that things schizophrenia, things that are those
0: things sound scary to the general that, public. And they seem the
2: by their behavior, it's frightening. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at borderlines, I know like the the one of the characters on uh, the the hit back in the day, Fatal Attraction. That personality base was based on that. Well, that's a scary thing to consider. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So in other words, to say I'm this and you also don't have a sense of self and this is your whole identity. So in Monisa's in defense, I understand why she's not so readily able aside with the fact that she has you know these issues to say, hey, guess what? I'm also this.
1: Right, and, and and I think that's a good point, right? Like they are, even as myself, uh, knowing what someone's diagnoses are. What I would say is, okay, this is yeah, you you, you struggle with this, but this is not who you are. Right. This is what you're coping with, and as a family, clearly you have to learn how to deal with it. Um, you know, to effectively create the place of safety for her, as she's not feeling what she, you know, she might take some actions and trying to help her get the right supports obviously is, is important. Right. And I think that's what it is um, with my someone like myself, that's done the work um, you recognize it. It's, it's ultimately about connection. It's a, about creating safety for them. And, you know, it's like a diabetic that d- says, no, I won't take my medication. You can say you're not going to not take your medication. It's the same thing. And I think, you know, I often say um, picking the field, and I've been in this field since I was 21 I will say, there, I would love the day when we can go to uh, a psychologist or a psychotherapist's office and all sit in the waiting room waiting our turn, like we do a physician. Right. Because, because that will eventually mean that we've all accepted that our bodies and our minds and our brains are one. And truly, they are. Um, but we're so like, oh, it's it's secretive. We can't say wh- what address we have. We can't well,
2: have the I'm in the right. lobby. Last- we exit out the right. back, you're never seen by the next person, that's a fact. That's
1: a good one. Exactly. But I think, you know, now that we're recognizing and we can learn so much from the East around, you know, our, our brain and our mind are one and the same as our body. And we have right. to really educate people about um, we can't separate one from the other, right? We right. have yeah. to accept that these are things that are um, they're treatable with the right kind of support, with the like right kind of learning so that the average person out there doesn't say, Oh, I'm afraid.
0: Right. And I, I always say that I'm looking forward to the day when things are so destigmatized that just like you go, you don't you go to the dentist whether you need to go to the dentist or not, it's mm-hmm. prevented. You go to make sure that you're maintaining your oral health. Uh, mm-hmm. sometimes with a checkup, especially when you're younger, you go to the doctor to make sure that you're developing properly. Why don't we go to our therapist to make sure that we're seeing the world in the proper perspective and to maybe potentially, if need be, to recognize that this person is not seeing the world the way the consensus norm is. And we might need to make some adjustments there. These things need to be so normative that it's something that we can almost take for granted. And, you know, unfortunately, we're not there yet. And so we, we are forced with for, in various ways trying to force the issue and force people to understand sometimes you know it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes it feels cumbersome sometimes it feels like a struggle sometimes it always feels like a struggle but sometimes it you have to question yourself why am i putting myself through this right Uh, because you know for my wife she's received death threats (laughs) just in you know just from being on love and hip-hop and the way that she's interacted With And and, and the key is, I don't know anyone who had someone that they loved that they would not be willing to continue to try to get to a successful result for a successful outcome for that person and for your relationship. We're to the point now where even if our children do not, if they can get the help that they need and they choose not to deal with us, we prefer you to get the help that you need. The issue is you're the most important thing to us. And it's starting to feel like that that value system in America is, is diminishing. And I'm trying to figure out how can we get back to that?
1: Well, you know, I may be as basic as they come, but I I always, I go back to I think it's all about love and us just going back to that core fundamental like um, what Marla said, you know, having that anchor within yourself. Um, to realize that we're all different. Um, none of us had, you know, came from ideal, perfect upbringings where we had, you know, everything optimally available to us. Like I grew up in a family that was a, a, a not a, a good um, uh, marriage. Parents did the best they could. Of course, you're going to have shrapnel associated with things mm. that have happened. But you know, and I think if we look at that and say, you know, you know, there's uh, mental distress all the way to up to mental health. That and you know, any of us can get to that point. Right, and, and that's when you the see, spectrum. right, that spectrum, and especially if you're not supporting people, um, getting them the right kind of um, help, like DBT, um, you know, or different kinds of um, supports for mental health, the, the correct medication, um, you know, different kinds of interactional groups, then what we're doing as a societies we're not we're not being kind and gentle to everybody um, that needs that support, and if we look at it, it's on things are on the rise. So if we don't start to look at what we need to do as a society, um, we're going to, we're ultimately going to grow that problem.
0: Yeah. I mean, not ultimately we're there. We're we're at the point now where we're starting to see more things that divide us than more things that can bring us together. And that division builds its own stress to where there's almost a, a a group PTSD that is happening right in front of our eyes. That's a ball rolling downhill that we, can't seem to stop as we recognize and see it happening right in front of our faces. And so for us, you know, there's a strength that is needed when you talk, when you say that, you know, it all comes back to love, you know, sometimes love requires more strength than to be reactive in a situation. Sometimes to not react in the way that the person is trying to get that interaction from you, that negative interaction and to still be loving, you're putting your pride on the line. You're putting your, you what people perceive as your as your self worth on the line. You're putting everything on the line to maintain the fact that I believe that love is more important than this division. And you know we that we need help in that area as far as the society our society is concerned. As so now as you I'm-
1: have an organization that you work with. Um, uh, when I was reading your bio, tell me a little bit about it and. Um, you know, how you help and for anybody listening that, uh, you know, in what way they could support the organization or to move the needle forward. I often say we have to have more conscious conversations. We have to talk about bipolar. We have to talk about borderline. We have to talk about anxiety. We have to talk about depression. We have to talk about as parents, you know, what you should and shouldn't do. So tell me a little bit about uh, the organization and um, how people regardless of where they are, how they might be able to assist in any way. So you pretty much hit on all the topics, um, all, the, all the
2: focuses of what we do. Um, loving Beyond Reason is an organization designed to help support families like ours, which is loving your adult children and assisting them beyond what other people feel is reasonable because the system doesn't even think it's reasonable because they don't offer you any support past 18. They don't offer you any resources past 18. Without that person buying in, and even still, it's not complete. So, what we realize is we've been an intact family who've done nothing but sacrifice and love our children, yet we're here. And that doesn't make us different. It makes me like everyone else, understanding that this is, I would never have imagined it. I would never wish this on my worst enemy. I don't want anybody else in this club. This club is awful. It's a club of heartbreak, it's a pl- club of pain. Um, We are a donation-based organization, and there's several initiatives, but the main initiative we have for our organization is that we're David and I are attempting to start our first Hoping to Franchise, ultimately, but our first Loving Beyond Reason transition home, which will offer a step-down residency to those who are in crisis who come out of the hospital, because right now there's a lot of boarding cares, and most that we've encountered through our experience directly with our son are the, are the worst abysmal here's the thing they're
0: unregulated so you know people are getting money from the government Hernead. and not actually using that money to implement the sufficient service Correct. to the clientele and so you know you, you you get picked up by the police uh luckily we're getting a little bit better at trans you know taking that person and not making them a criminal and get them some uh mental health help but at that time they go to the hospital the doctor might say I need you on a, a, a 5150 or a, a 5250 or a 5152 and you know that because I I think this person needs at least 2 weeks of the medication to be titrated through the system so they can stabilize. before they can be stabilized but our health insurance system has not actually caught up here in the United States here in Canada things might be a little bit And
2: different. let us say let us say California.
0: And yeah so you know Because of that, uh, and specifically Florida and California, and for various reasons I'm sure Marla will get into in a minute, but before you can get to that two weeks of stabilization, the insurance cuts off at six days. So you're back out on the street. That's when you have to. And
1: you're not ready because you don't don't have have the skills yet.
0: Matter of fact, you're worse than before you went in because now you're starting to see a little bit of something, but at the same time, you felt like you've been mistreated. So now you have a, 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 a on top of the issues that you were dealing with, a bit of PTSD you know slipping in there because you feel like you've been violated against your will. And so that's when you go to these step down programs that are unregulated, these boarding cares and we haven't had a good you know we haven't had a good experience in that. Yes. so we her mom, who used to run the uh, um, uh, VA. the VA for Southern California, um, chief of nurses, as well as she had a site with a foundation in psychiatric nursing, uh, she designed a, a program for us that we can implement in our, you know, soon to be the first loving beyond reason home, where we can actually put some of the things in place that will take care of and nurture these people back to good health, and even if they don't have the chance to leave, they're not ready to go. They can stay as long as they want. It doesn't have to be insurance based. It doesn't have to be the fact that you can pay. We need you to be stable before you go back right. into society.
1: Right. Amazing. Amazing. So for parents listening, um, you know, whether they're in Europe, Canada, um, or in the US, you know, and they're in the struggle. Mm. And what what words of wisdom would you give? to them or words of comfort or um, any guidance at all for them? Silent suffering is suffering without the possibility
2: of hope. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say that one more time. Suffering in silence, your choice to suffer in silence, does not diminish the suffering. Mm -hmm. So silent suffering is suffering without the possibility of hope because you've said nothing to anyone. And so no one can assist you in something that they don't know. I'm not talking about the internet. I'm not talking about getting online and sharing all your problem, your family's darkest, deep, deepest issues. I'm talking about picking up the phone and calling NAMI. I'm talking about finding an outlet that is calling a psychologist. I'm talking about networking to be able to say to friends and or family, hey, what I'm dealing with here is deeper than 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 what I even can recognize. Can you, do you have anybody that can help it, help me? That's that's the kind of breaking the silence I speak of. I'm not I don't want you <laughs> to be me. I happen to be placed on a platform. That's not what I wanted to do with even my own life. I'm equipped for media, but I wasn't equipped or or it wasn't a, a desire for me to come on use media to have to deal with these types of issues. I've been placed here. So I have to say that because I need people to be very clear. My words are very clear as to what I think for help. Number two, denial is death. Mm-hmm. You see what you see. You feel it. You intuit it. You know it as a as any connected parent understands what you're seeing is an issue or you wouldn't even have a concern. And so the longer you deny, the more it is emotional destruction and death for your family, for you the lo- loving the one who suffers and those who suffer. So it is natural, but it is something that you've got to get a grip of. See something, say something, do something. And and I would say,
0: I would only add to that, you know, resist the urge to lean into despair. Because no matter how dark things get, things can get better. And no matter how long it takes for the appropriate help to get there for you, don't despair. Because the more you reach out, the more you have the opportunity for that help to reach you. So hang in there
1: amazing amazing stuff like wow i'm i'm blessed that uh you're you're taking this step um to help others um through adversity you know that's the opportunity like you said you didn't ask to be placed here but you're doing something because you understand right like you understand what what the pain is so for people wanting to reach out um um, where, where can they get a hold of you if they want to donate? What, what, where do they go? Loving
2: There's a big giant donate button there. Um, we will, we're, we're literally, you know, believe it or not, even though we have been an established nonprofit since 2018, we're just now getting to the point of, you know, we're a grassroots foundation and we're a donation based foundation. But the work that we do is endless, even including Mental Health Mondays, which we've been doing for three years. I saw that. Uh, yeah. So for us, you know, for me, it's also super important that I am fully dedicated to educating families. I teach de-escalation, um, mm-hmm. teaching families how to manage your loved one in an episodic crisis. Specifically so when so they, safe.
0: the law enforcement needs to get involved Correct. as well. So. So my to
2: help you help yourself, um, I, I, you know, those education pieces aren't spoken by me. They're on my personal page. Um, a lot of it, a lot of these really deep conversations that really are more about, you know, it, it's we have a marriage and we have a life. But to be honest, you know, my insights and, and um, inspiration and movement are different sometimes than Dave's. And this is what I've been born to do spiritually. Um, So I'm a, I'm a, I feel like transparency is the only way to transformation. So you'll find that on Marla talks um, even as, and, and ironically, God has allowed me, in my opinion, a lot of, a vast array of (laughs) experience, traumatic experiences that I've been able to move through um, because it is a way for me to share. Um, my last series I just did was literally on my on my subscription in my Instagram was The Diary of a Madman. And I explained being inside of a narcissistic relationship that was actually dangerous with my with Monisa's dad before David and I got married and what that was like. I've never spoken on it before. But now that this is you know a lot of the, the climate is really focusing a lot on that. I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm sure that my true story will help someone else in my demographic kind of understand this to a level because you feel so isolated and break free for themselves.
1: And so it it just keeps coming. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing that you do that. And I'm so grateful that I uh, collided with you um, on podcast guests. Um, What an inspiration you both are. And um, you know, what am I taking away? I'm taking away that we are given certain things in life and we do the best that we can, especially as, as parents and as partners, right? And uh, that w- in this case, um, mental health is like anything else. It's something that families cope with. A lot of families, to your point, cope in silence, and there's no need. There's no need. Uh, pain is inevitable, but suffering need not be. So reach out, connect. Um, we are not reptiles. We, you know We do not need to shut down. We need to connect. right eye connection and that in of itself is so healing and you know just being able to to chat with someone that feels like they're in turmoil um that could be a gift that you could give someone just by um you know a five or a ten minute conversation um so for everyone listening uh please reach out please uh help them out and donate and um for anyone needing to get a hold of me um, please, uh, you can also reach out. Um, you, you know, I talk about mental resilience in relationships at home and at work. You can go to roxanderhotchcom forward slash quiz where you'll do a quick quiz and I'll, we'll send you some information. Again, thanks so much for your time. Very grateful uh, and everyone you. listening, um, we look forward to seeing you again next week. And, and please keep these conversations going. I'm telling you, you, you're doing
2: more good. It warms my heart to know that there are people who are genuinely invested in change.